0: I'm Katie. And I'm Michael. And this is Missing History, where each week we bring you and ourselves a story about a woman or someone who identifies as female that we want to know more about.
1: We'll share some stories, talk about it, and maybe get a little mad at the patriarchy.
0: I'm going to go with probably more than a little mad.
1: That seems about right.
0: Today's episode contains strong language and references to violence and sexual assault. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the beginning, Michael, and the beginning is not Eve, not that beginning, but like 43 AD, so not too old, but but like pretty pretty old, not a lot of written documents, right? So um, we're in Britain, Uh, Britannia, I don't know what they called it then, but everybody's Celts, right? Everyone's Celts up in there.
1: There's a good chunk of Celts up bunch there. bunch of
0: tribes. There's no solid one king, right? Yeah. And uh, if it's 43 AD, then you nerds out there will know that the Romans are invading Britain at this time. And this imperial power of Rome comes to the island of Britain and sort of starts taking over. They build settlements. They build a town called Londinium, aka London, of the future.
1: Heard tell of that mm, once yeah. in a while.
0: Yeah. Have you heard? Big, big deal. London becomes a big deal. Um, and the locals, you know, there is resentment with an occupying force. But uh, in general, you're going to see Roman legions coming up to your little town. And you're going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to let's get through this. Let's let my kids live. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. People don't like to mess with the Romans. That no. Much. And
0: Britain isn't organized in the way we know it now. It's, it's tribe by tribe by tribe, location by location. Who's the who's the family that's got the power? Right. So if we're in Eastern Britain, there's an Iceni tribe. Iceni, I C E N I. Iceni, I think is what I heard people say. And when I googled, googled it. That sounds
1: right. It's been a long time since Iceni high people. Latin class.
0: Um, they're on the coast. Okay, let's get into some names. They're all Latinish and weird. So Prasutagus. Yeah, I think that's right. He's the head of the Iceni people, and he and the Romans get along great. He does what they ask him to. He makes he makes it a point to kind of promote diplomacy. Cool. He's got this great wife, Boudica. He's got two girls. Oh, Boudica! Um, oh shit! You know
1: Boudica? <laughs> I've heard a little bit about Boudica. Dang it! But I okay. don't. So here's the thing: I've heard the one story about her riding on a chariot, topless, through like a Roman army. Don't cool. know if that's real. And so that's he's got all this got. great
0: he's got this great gal, Boudica. They're married. They have two daughters. Um, and. You know the the relationship between his tribe or his people. I don't know if "tribe" is the right word. Clan, I think
1: tribe is like the technical Group. word. If you want to go for it. His
0: team, uh, they're getting along great. He he doesn't really have a lot of um, friction with them at this point. Uh, Boudicca's name means victory. There is uh, thoughts that she she was of an elite class because she's married to him right mm-hmm. so and another thing that's interesting is women are held in a higher regard than most other peoples at this time in britain oh interesting. like women are kind of seen as leaders as much as men are yes king is in charge but like she wouldn't have been just his chattel mm-hmm. as you would see in other cultures
1: which i imagine is like different than what the romans at the time are probably probably
0: a little different we'll get there so her name means victory in the language of her people and this is another interesting thing um the main sources we have about her are two romans <laughs> one was written by a guy whose dad was com- like stationed in britain okay who might have been involved with this situation that we're going to get into so i'm
1: going to go with maybe not the most unbiased so, of sources two
0: dudes of the opposite team In many ways (laughs) are going to write about this chick. So uh, So I think
1: we're just going to get a really glowing picture of her. That's what you're saying. Um,
0: What did Dio say? Here's here's a great just just starting point. A Briton woman of the royal family and possessed of greater intelligence than often belongs to women. Oh, always a good way to start that out. He's starting out patronizing beautifully. And uh, there's also words of her having a harsh voice, which... I relate, and tall in stature and terrifying appearance. I also relate. So uh, yeah, that's just a nice little.
1: So good to know that like, descriptions of powerful women have changed so much no. in the last. I mean, years. I'm
0: not going to say that they don't have their reasons for maybe describing her the way they do, but okay. I'm just want to be. I don't want to be too fair to the Romans because empires in general are pretty awful. But um, she's the elite, right? They have two daughters don't know what their uh, names are, but there's a general thought that women are also trained to fight as much as men are in this particular tribe. like okay. uh, there's a battle vi- you always have to fight the other tribes around you so you need to be ready and that means everybody's involved. like you can't have anybody that just runs away. you have everybody's everybody's up there. you gotta defend it all kind of Icelandic or like Viking yeah vibes okay a little bit even though they're not even in Britain yet they don't invade for a long time. Anyway, we'll get to that too segue 60 AD okay Rome's killing it Nero is in charge you heard of him he's Mm. a Mm. lunatic uh brutal he had a main streak he sends Suetonius he has three names we're gonna call him Suetonius to keep it clear um to lead his troops that are in Britain Suetonius is in charge of like keeping all of the troops where they need to go putting down rebellions he's the he's the general of Britain uh Around this time, King Papa P. Prasutagus dies. Super sad. Oh, no. Dies of natural causes, I believe. It's like, oh, darn. In his will, he's like to be pacifying and diplomatic as always. He goes, I leave my tribe, or I leave all of my possessions to my two daughters and the emperor of Rome. They all get a piece, right? Okay. As is my right as king. So then this guy... What's his name? Catus Decianus. We'll call him Kitty Cat because he's terrible. (laughs) Um, No, I like cats. Sorry, he doesn't do you guys justice. So Catus is the tax collector who's living in Londinium. Londinium? Londinium, right? And he's like, oh, cool. So you left it to the emperor. So uh, and your daughters. We don't care about daughters. Emperor's going to just go ahead and take all of that. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: I see that going really well. And by
0: take all of that, we're just going to take literally everything you have. Right now. We're going to go right now. So he sends some troops up to where uh, Boudica and her her people are hanging out. And they're like, cool. So this is all the emperors now. And they're like, no, it's not. It belongs to my two gals and the emperor. It's sort of a diplomatic thing. Do you not understand, like, subtlety? <laughs> and they're like, no, no. we understand. <laughs> Give us all your crap. So they plunder and they just, like, loot all of her, I don't even know what they had, right? But everything. They took everything. They took everything. And she puts up a little bit of a fight. And I don't know if Romans are used to this because, well, no, they clearly were because they had a battle plan ready. So she starts to give them words back. She gets starts to fight. She wants to call it what it is. Um, and they're like, well, we don't like this and you're a woman. So how do we get back at you? Uh, I think I know what we'll do. We will beat you in front of everyone. We'll flog you um to the point of like harm horror, horror just horrible just I mean we all know what the Romans did not not not, not really merciless and then we're gonna take your two daughters and we're gonna rape them, and then we're gonna leave them for you and to a Roman and probably the Iceni Iceni the Britons. <laughs> Being, I just want to talk about it really quick. I don't want to dwell on it too much. But being raped was um, seen not only as this, this horrible personal attack on somebody and somebody's person and body, but it was also an attack on their future in that they're not marriageable anymore. To a Roman. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Britons would feel the same way because if like, a Roman did it. So, like, I don't know. But a Roman would have been like, good luck now. You know, what are you going to do with that?
1: Oh, so it's not just this, you like, know, I'm horrible. gonna damage
0: your goods in every way. So
1: that way Which they're, is, like, not marriageable. Yeah. And since they're the leaders of this, or yeah, potentially what the kind leaders of, of this yeah, tribe. Yeah, the
0: princesses can't get married. What are you gonna do with them? Even oh, though, to this culture, it's like, they can be just fine mm-hmm. being warriors or whatever. Anyway. Um, so they do that. Um, Boudica is not pleased. She is so mad that... I, I mean, I'm going to interpret this, but I think, like, she's like, beat me, I don't care. But, like, you took both of her kids after her husband died, and you stole all their shit. And then you raped them, and then you cast them off. Oh, it's just, it's uh, all terrible. So, um, rightly so, she goes ballistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to the tribe to the south, and she's like, hey, Rome sucks. You want to get in on this? And they're like, yes, please. And they all decide... To attack a nearby settlement called, hold please, Camelodunum. Camelodunum, which is now Colchester. <laughs> Camelodunum. Romans are great at naming things. I hate mm-hmm. them so much. Okay. Uh, it's built south of the Iceni tribe and it becomes like the hub of commerce. There's homes, there's businesses, it's a little market. It's a nice little town. It's a nearby one. So the Iceni and the Trinavante tribes. They band together. Boudicca's like, I'm the leader of these people. They're like, yes, ma'am, you are. Let's do this. The Trinavanti are like, we'll follow you. Your name means victory. Let's do this. I hate Rome, too. Let's get all our stuff back. So she gets, um, this is where it gets vague, because there's thoughts that she gets 120,000 people together.
1: 120,000 people is a lot of people. They're a
0: pretty mobile group, too. They're a little more, um... Native. I don't want to say Native like American. Nomadic? nomadic is the right word. They're a little more nomadic than what we think of Britannian. Okay. You know what I mean? They're a little more. Um, so they sort of. Pack, they packed everything up. They packed you know, everything like, up. So everybody gonna, went in that one. We're gonna go mess. They're some thinking stuff about fifty up. of them, fifty thousand of them are fighter okay. kind of people. Like yes, you would have women fight too, but there are children involved. There, the old mm-hmm. priests, you know, anybody that wouldn't be front lines is going to in a giant wagon train to go wreck this town
1: it's like 50 yeah fifty thousand is still not a number you want to mess with
0: no not great especially to this town where sorry my dog is whining for no reason because she needs attention um everyone's going so in a matter of like... Very short time for this city with no walls around it. No legion to protect it. The troops are on another side of the country with Suetonius trying to put down another resu- uh, um, revolt. Revolt. Who does he kill? He kills all the druids. Oh, He's no. a monster. Yeah. We're putting Suetonius. away. Everybody's got a story with the Romans at this time. They're all terrible. Um, and they just, they just, they just envelop this city in no time with their chariots and their horses and their people and their wagons of family and they just kind of overtake and you could tell they had a meeting or something where they're like if you see anything Roman just, just kill it kill it, burn it, destroy it however you see fit so this is why I say like maybe the Romans in, in how they describe her aren't wrong because she obliterates this city and this city, I want to remind everyone, was filled with women and children and people and old people and like dogs. And there was nothing left.
1: So it's this like tough thing where like we really want to like yes. her because she's this like yes. proto-feminist icon, but then she's also she's terrible. Several. I mean, she does mm. horrible things. I don't okay. want to.
0: I don't want to go into it. They're pretty bad. But also, who can we believe? Because only the Romans got to write about it. Spoiler alert. Um, so they sacked the city. It happened so quickly. Uh, they just they blew it up, basically. And um, somehow, some Romans got out and were able to, like, send word to the other local towns to, like, retrieve help. So one messenger goes to the tax collector guy, Caddis, and was like, look what happened. Oh, she's coming for you, man. Because Londinium Lind- is close mm-hmm. to Camelodunum. Oh, these words. Um, so Caddis sends 200 Roman soldiers.
1: 250,000. 50, no worries.
0: think That'll that's going to go, go well for them. Um, he's probably going to be great. And Suetonius is on the other side of the country and he doesn't really know for a long time mm-hmm. that this has happened, but they're on their way to talk to him. His Caddis's people show up, his 200. They roll in. They're like, we got these barbarians. Mm-hmm. Bo- let's do this. They get decimated. They took the. Um, my understanding is that they show up to this, this town getting sacked and. <laughs> boudicca's just like cool you too and they're just done 200 people no time so then we get a legion on its way over not suetonius's but a legion so that's five well well-trained soldiers a little bit better odds but they're walking on a road through the forest of england where Mm. they are not from they're walking in a line
1: yeah i don't see that going maybe not great do you know what romans
0: are really good at formations Mm -hmm. like little turtles yeah, they like to group up.
1: They don't like the woods that much.
0: Line, not that great. So they, uh, so this one, the ninth Roman legion, she hears about them coming, and they just decimate them again. So now she's got the town sacked, the 200 guys killed, this legion she kind of obliterates. That leader of the legion was able to get away to kind of tell everybody that this happened. So now Rome is like, whoa, some stuff is happening. We got to go take care of this. I wrote in my notes. Suetonius is like, "What my legions? <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense." He hears that a woman is rolling.
1: A through this. woman. It's
0: very what? That's
1: embarrassing. They don't
0: have armor. They don't have. They don't have rigor. They don't have discipline. They're kind of wild. They're everything in Rome isn't in what it looks for in its fighting people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is very confusing for them, and they're like, "But how can this? You know, being led by a woman too? I mean, can you even?" so now they go cool let's go to lindinium now um caddis our little friend he books it to the continent of course he goes to Gaul because he's a spineless little turd so tonius is hears about it he's pissed that he has to like clean up this idiot's mess because it was his whole Mm -hmm. of course way to go and london also has no defenses so everyone's kind of like crap um Suetonius tells everyone to leave Lindinium. He tries to get people out. He brings them with him, you know, tells everybody to flee. So it's a little less... um, Massacre-y. massacre than the previous one, but it's not great. Mm. She uh, gets in there and she just just, uh, burns it down. So she's getting more people, too, as she... Like, it's not just the two tribes anymore. It's anyone they pick up along the way. They're like, F Rome, let's get out of here. Let's take it all back so then we get to the decisive battle so suetonius is on his way with his he has much more troops yeah and he's on his way from the uh west to meet her and um they're outnumbered the romans are outnumbered even with their legions and they're good people so he goes battle tactics right yeah and he nestles himself kind of in like a in the woods in like kind of a horseshoe mm-hmm. of forest and he's in the middle of the horseshoe. So he's protected on sides by by trees. Yeah. And they're gonna he knows they're the Britons are gonna come and meet him, right? And meanwhile she's got two hundred thousand people. They show up, it's this little couple thousand Romans in a little cluster. She thinks like great, let's let's, let's do end this shit. And the whole, wa- the whole, all of them are there. It's all of her people. They're in a giant wagon train behind her to kind of envelop and watch the battle commence. So, yeah. So this Battle of Watling Street is what it's called. And... Great name. It's going to get real. So the Roman historian says that she said a speech... Now, how a Roman would hear the Briton speech to her people, I'm a little vague on distance and how sound carries, but this is what he writes. She said, But now it is not as a woman descended from noble ancestry, but as one of the people that I am avenging lost freedom, my scourged body, the outraged chastity of my daughters. Roman lust has gone so far that not our very persons nor even age or virginity are left unpolluted." But heaven is on the side of a righteous vengeance. A legion which dared to fight has perished. The rest are hiding themselves in their camp or are thinking anxiously of flight. They will not sustain even the din and the shout of so many thousands, much less our charge and our blows. If you weigh well the strength of the armies and the causes of war, you will see that in this battle you must conquer or die. This is a woman's resolve. As for men, they may live and be slaves.
1: That's harsh.
0: So, I don't know how they overheard that, but...
1: I mean, it, so there's this cool thing, and yeah. if I can, like, nerd out about Please. classical historiography for a second. Please do. That's the, there's this sort of trope in classical historiography of, like, writing these speeches that there's no way you no. possibly could have heard. No. And it's this kind of cheating way of, like, I need to explain why they're doing this. Yes. But I can't just, like, tell you. You're right. So I have to put it into this speech and make it seem yeah. like it's let's something that's super narrative and that's something that like yeah. history is as like a discipline or as a genre yeah. doesn't really move away from until yeah. like
0: it's also like you know, a well put together like very poetic sentence, Oh, I'm sure. It's which, like, when you're trying to get dudes to like rage out and just massacre, I don't think you really want to wax philosophic about why you're going to war. I think you're like probably evil like cap-sticks. let's go mess them up. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So But I'm like, it's nice to have that because then we can be like, oh, this is what they think she was thinking about, right? Which is an interesting. You don't often get to sort of. They're trying to put.
0: I mean, they're trying to give her
1: in a weird way, like agency. Yeah,
0: they're trying to give her a yeah. I don't know. Um. So just to once again talk about the styles of these two people, these two sides. You have a Roman army outfitted the same with weapons like javelins, short swords and shields like metal shields too. So um and they have decent amount of armor with movement and helmets and you have like maneuvers that they all know. On the other side you have many tribes of britons being led by one woman. They often didn't wear body armor. If any, they painted themselves with blue woad, which is that blue kind of face paint that you see in all the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would paint yourself with symbols or what you wanted protected or animals that you wanted, like, imbued with or, you know, vibe. You'd be like, I'm going to be a ram and I'm going to blow people up. Um, And so painted people half naked... With, like, wooden shields and swords just screaming at you.
1: Sounds pretty terrifying.
0: I would think so. And they outmass you, like, ten to one. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, but,
1: no, I would run away at that point. Yeah. That's just me, though.
0: So Suetonius is like, okay, let's let's do this because I'm a Roman jerk. Um, Britain's charge. Now, because of the way the Romans are stuck in this little horseshoe, they get to kind of limit how many people can attack them. Like, the whole wall of Britons can't get them at once. They have to narrow down and hit. Mm -hmm. And then when Romans are hit, like, in this particular formation, you would um, take it and take it, and then their first guy would get switched out with the guy behind because they'd be in lines. So the front line is only fighting for a limited time before they get reprieved. So they get to constantly rest and, like, feel, you know. Yeah. Keep the stamina going. Meanwhile, the Britons are just getting stabbed. (laughs) Very easily because, first of all, javelins come out and, like, take out a bunch of them. And then they hit the wall and they start getting stabby stabs. And uh, this goes on for a really long time. The Britons just keep raging and just keep throwing people at them. And, of course, there's just, like, bodies lying. It's just bad. It's just bad. The Britons are starting to lose steam after a long time because they don't get reprieved in the same way. And the Romans are just kind of doing their Roman thing. And then they get into this, like, wedge shape. And they 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 start to um, just kind of plow through the weak weak Briton line and push them all back. And what's behind all the Britons is their families in this giant like hard to move,
1: like wagon really frame. big
0: yeah like wagon wall. Oh no! And they just get smushed up against them with these strong, well trained Romans, and the Romans just just let loose and they don't care who it is it's kind of everybody's got the same tactic of kill everybody and sadly enough it's uh, not great for the Britons they all get just decimated and sad to say uh, now according to the two Roman dudes Boudica lost 80,000 and Rome lost 400 I'm going to go with hard to count all those bodies yeah I would say so Hard to count. But that's what they say happens. So no one's sure what happened to her. She was not taken prisoner. They know that. But they think one of the Roman historians said that she poisoned herself. They think that's the only kind of way out with honor that she could f- see for herself. So then let's get into why I know about Boudica, which is um, in the 1850s, Prince Albert commissioned a statue of Miss Boudica for his wife cuz he was like, oh your name means victory? My wife means victory. My wife is Queen Victoria. Look how similar you are." And so they made uh this guy Thomas Thornycroft, great name, made a statue called Boudica and her daughters, and she's in a chariot with a spear in her hand like this, and she is clothed. Um uh. uh, but her daughters are not. And their these horses are like raging and they're like and a battle and she's got a big old crown and she looks like a young Queen Victoria. Wow. Um Yeah. And they put that statue, it now sits um outside uh west uh sorry, the western end of Westminster Bridge facing Big Pen Big Ben and the Palace of Westminster. So it's like a
1: Just like right big old, smack, in the big old smack
0: spot right in the middle. And I saw it when I was there and I was like, Who's that lady? And they're like Boudica, and I was like, Great name. I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> and I found out all of this stuff about this ancient roman defying queen and i found it incredibly ironic that this anti-imperialist rage monster was uh made into a statue by another empire wielding yeah
1: Yeah, that's a little fierce
0: lady i thought was pretty funny and i think the only other little fact i had that was interesting uh besides the fact that. The statue of her is in the city that she burned to the ground is that all the physical depictions of her that people have like in like thought up is that she has red hair and this comes up a lot of just like she has red hair because she's a warrior woman and she screams and runs into battle and she's harsh and evil and Celtic she's and Celtic and fiery and uh there are some people that think some historians that think that red hair actually doesn't come to Britain until the Vikings invade, which happens in, uh, I think, Mm 700-something. And they think um, if you see crops of red-haired people, it's on all the, like, where the densest populations are. It's on the old Viking roots that they had. So I think red hair actually originates with Vikings. But it's
1: totally... totally
0: correlated to, like, this Celtic myth of, like... I just find it interesting that they're like, Boudicca our queen, and she's, you know, this hot-tempered
1: that's Britain lady. Yeah. So what was it about Boudica after having done this research, mm. that was like, I want to talk about her? I just,
0: I don't know any ancient women that aren't Cleopatra.
1: That's I mean, that's fair. not fair.
0: I probably do. But, like, Mary, mother of God, that's about it. And then uh, Cleopatra, maybe another Egyptian queen, like, never...
1: Terry td
0: is never teary in the Ten Commandments movie. It's a distinct And Baxter in the Ten Commandments I've not movie. I watched that recently. So enough. good. Um, maybe them. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I mean that's really interesting because that's something. Judith,
0: maybe some from the Bible, but yeah. I don't think in this way.
1: But it's like you've got your one, and it's like Cleopatra, yeah. and I definitely have found that. Maybe like... some
0: Egyptian, not Egyptian, Chinese empresses. I don't even know. See, I can't even tell you. Mm-hmm. I know there's somebody.
1: But it's just, like, who... Because I, I feel so, like you have your one per archetype. Like, yeah. your one female scientist. You're one, yeah. like, ancient woman. You're this one, is, like, like the warrior queen. Yeah, yeah. She's your checkbox. You yeah. Need to know and anymore. there's a
0: weird theme of, like, kick-butt ladies in England. Like, mm. Elizabeth the first, awesome. Queen Victoria... Like, the ones I gravitate to. Yeah. Like, the mainstay long-term ladies are so cool. And I'm really glad they all have ages that are, like, occur around them. And they're a big moment in history. But i just don't know about any pre uh what's the word what's 1066 pre
1: pre-conquest
0: pre-conquest britain mm-hmm. yeah so i just found her interesting and her statue was really cool i mean to thorny Thornycroft, thorny Croft, what's his name tommy To tommy. tommy's credit <laughs> it was a really good statue
1: yeah and it's super interesting because like that's the the one image i have in my head of hers like mm-hmm. her on that chariot yeah um this woman no, who
0: fought against imperialism is erected by an imperialist yeah. government loved it i just love that i was like you go <laughs> britain just lean in
1: that's such a i mean that's not necessarily just a british thing but that's such like I a know. quintessentially british thing of, like we're gonna co-opt this history <laughs> that if you look more than skin deep it's like oh this is deeply ironic and we shouldn't have done this yeah. but we're gonna do it anyway you
0: gotta know all the bits right
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah but also like her husband commissioned it
1: do you yeah, know what I mean? it's like a gift like, I thought of you, I thought of you yeah. this woman who is a badass, but at the same time, like, gets mm-hmm. defeated by the Romans and poisons herself. Yeah. Mixed messaging there. Yeah, there's some
0: poetry about her. And then there's a Jacobean play called Bondica. There's a lot of ways to spell her name. But she is kind of seen throughout mm-hmm. Britain's kind of nationalistic icons mm-hmm. of times before french invasion
1: yeah. yeah i always love like what countries have sort of picked as like their national yeah. symbols and it's always super interesting when I you think actually everybody
0: likes it. somebody that says no to the big everybody so the likes big, an underdog an
1: underdog yeah everybody
0: likes an underdog everybody likes who fights the big bad mm-hmm. and rome is clearly a big bad yeah you know even I mean? if
1: they lose even if you become the like yeah. person everyone You're is So gonna be like against. yeah but she
0: stuck it to them exactly she and burned down london
1: which we all know how many women in. burned down
0: london yeah
1: yeah no that's really cool
0: yeah
1: yeah i'm so glad i really didn't know you anything about that
0: so. yeah i'm really sad like you don't know what her daughter's names are i couldn't find that
1: yeah that's really disappointing yeah. but right. that's like so typical of like classical history it's like we got the men's names and they have four of them maybe five and we're gonna put them all in but the women maybe they get one name maybe they're just the daughter we're like right. not gonna include any like wife. information yeah yeah sorry
0: anyway, budica
1: she's great thank you for sharing
0: you're welcome all right yeah. michael make me mad okay i didn't get as mad at her as i or as her, at her story as i thought i would yeah no I, mean, I didn't really frame it in that way
1: maybe i should maybe the Feel person food. who's listening should be the one getting mad <laughs> <That's true. laughs> i have to figure out how to channel my hatred for the patriarchy in like nice little soundbitey mm-hmm. kind of moments
0: mm-hmm. okay okay who are you gonna talk to me about
1: cool so today i am kind of interested in talking about founding mothers Right, we have this whole idea of like oh my
0: God, are founding going?
1: fathers, but I really wanted to talk about
0: oh Marie
1: Anne Lavoisier. Oh, no, wait. Okay. Um, she is married to Antoine Lavoisier, who gets credited with being the father of modern chemistry. But if you oh, look a little see, bit. See, I was
0: going to like our founding mothers, mm. like country specific. You're going like. I'm going like field, World. worlds.
1: worlds. Yeah. Um, Great. Because he obviously gets all this credit for like making chemistry a science. Uh, but if you look a little bit more closely, unsurprisingly, who's doing a lot of the work?
0: His wife. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah,
1: so this that's the story we're on today. So say their names again. Um, it's Marie-Anne Lavoisier.
0: Marie-Anne. Who's
1: married to Antoine Lavoisier. All
0: right, Antoine.
1: Yeah. And to be fair to him, like, they're more of a partnership <laughs> than the, like, history normally presents it. But it's definitely the kind of thing where, like, you Can read it. be it, awful
0: for a second? Did he put her name on his papers? now okay not much team then <laughs> keep going sorry
1: um but when you look at it like they do a lot of research together yeah, yeah but yeah. of course all the history is about the man right. so i thought it'd be really interesting to dig into the woman right. and see right. why is she interested in this what is she doing what is she contributing and it turns out again unsurprisingly mm-hmm. she's doing a lot Shocker. she's contributing so much
0: question for you can yes. you tell everybody what your mom does for a living
1: yes I think now's probably the time to come out and say that my mom is a chemistry professor mm-hmm. and that when I was talking to her about this podcast the first name out of her mouth was you should look at Marie-Anne Lavoisier," and mm-hmm. I was like okay you know doing that thing where it's like mom suggests it so like gonna look at it and then I'm like wow she's really cool Me. how did I never know about her which I feel like is the whole theme of this podcast yeah um, so Marie-Anne She's born into a family of French aristocrats. Lots of money floating around mm-hmm. in 1758. Her dad's a tax collector. He's okay. running the French East India Company for a little bit. Okay. So like money. lots of money. Money. Like, not the richest, richest, but they're doing just fine. Yeah. They're on the way up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, her mom dies when she's three. So she gets sent to a convent. I think because, that's going to be a theme. Yeah, I think so. A lot of young mom deaths. Um, Sorry, and of guys. course, like dad doesn't know how to raise daughters, so sends her to a convent.
0: Raise them just like <laughs> sons, but okay.
1: Um, uh. But that turns out to be a really good thing for her. She's growing up in a really scholarly environment surrounded by all of these incredibly educated women. Oh, in the, who, in the nunnery? In the convent, right, who are encouraging her to pursue a more scholarly life than she would otherwise. You
0: might not know this answer, but was the expectation she would just get educated or she would become a nun?
1: That she'd just get educated. Okay. Because then, at age 13... One of her dad's business partners comes along. And is like, "Hey, I've got a guy. He needs some money. Can he marry your 13-year-old daughter?" Oh, God. This guy, we should be clear, is a 51-year-old nobleman named the Count of Amerval. They have it... so
0: much in common. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think and I'm.
1: He is a. He's sort of this fire. like prototype in French culture at the moment, where he has this title of nobility, comes from a very sort of like established family, but is broke. And there's all of these broke French aristocrats walking around at this point. Who, We're
0: pre-revolution, we right? We are
1: pre-revolution. Okay. So there's all this new money that doesn't have the aristocratic ties. And there's all of this old aristocrats who don't have the money. And so in the decades leading up to the French Revolution, there's all of this back and forth. Where right. like People are marrying the new money, and the new money gets the title, and the old <sighs> name gets the money. And so our 51-year-old count is like, 13-year-old daughter... How did they Seems meet? Totally appropriate. The party don't. was that. It is an arranged marriage, but Ugh. to the credit of Marianne's dad, she's like, "No, we're not going to do that. That's inappropriate." So his solution is to marry him, or sorry, his solution is to marry her to another one of his business partners, who is of the respectable age of twenty-eight, so more than twice her age, but not fifty-one. And this is a really good thing, because when Marie-Anne wrote back to her dad about the proposed marriage, she describes the count as a fool, an unfeeling rustic, and an ogre. It's a direct quote. Yeah,
0: you know what 13-year-old girls are good at? Mm -hmm. Like, really surveying a person up and down. Yeah. Just, like, getting right in there.
1: Exactly. They know
0: the essence of people, (laughs) for sure. So
1: she just goes straight at him. Dad's like, okay, I get this. We'll find you someone better. And that someone better is Antoine Lavoisier.
0: And he's twenty eight. And
1: he's twenty eight, and she's thirteen. Oh, that's still gross. Still gross. Just for the and record, better. in case
0: anybody is still questioning if that's gross or not, it's super gross, super gross, and unfortunately, still happens. So mm. moving on.
1: <laughs> so, they marry, and it turns out it works out really well. Mm. They really love each other. They find sort of these. I mean, like, okay. Mhm. Uh, she's I, thirteen. She's thirteen. Keep 13. Going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, works out in that like they find out they're like kindred souls. He works in the tax office but is really interested in science. Okay. And she is a woman traditionally sort of not allowed in the scientific world who's also really interested in science. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: they kind of come to this point of being scientific collaborators. Mm. There's not a whole lot in the literature about like the creepy things that worry us about those kind of marriages because Yeah, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say like
0: they can say they loved each other all they want. We're in twenty eighteen.
1: Yeah. We know what it was. Yeah. So for all of that they end up becoming this sort of like scientific pair you Mm -hmm. kind of think like Marie Curie and her husband Mm -hmm. like they end up doing a lot of really important work together Mm -hmm. now like we talked about earlier he's the one who's going to get all the credit for this Mm -hmm. but she ends up doing sort of the really really important work um and of course the whole story of the birth of modern science at least the way I learned it in high school is like this guy did this this guy did this this guy did this science is born mm. all about the men all about these like singular moments of discovery yeah, um, and genius if, moments yeah and if you hear about women at all it's like they convened these salons where these intelligent men came and they were like party hostesses but the men were doing all of the like intellectual work yeah. um which is a just like completely discounting the value of like creating social networks mm. I mean, that's a super important process and if you don't have people doing that there's no information sharing. Mm. So first of all, we shouldn't discount that like as being super important. But second of all, that's just erasing all of this work that women are doing in this period to make science possible. First of all, there's the fact that, like, do you think any of these men were, like, washing their clothes, cooking their food, taking care of the kids? No. So there's all of these women doing this invisible labor to make it possible for the men to be doing their scientific work. Mm. And on top of that, you have these women, like Marie-Anne, who are actually doing the science Mm -hmm. who we don't talk about, Mm -hmm. who just kind of get written out. And the reason they get written out is because all of the men writing the history a couple hundred years later Mm. don't expect women to be there. And so when they see women there, they're like, oh, she must have just been like the office assistant Mm -hmm. or just like editing his papers or something Mm -hmm. like that. And there's this whole trope in the history of science about like, oh no, she's just an editor. She's just like collecting his papers, like cleaning up some of the grammar and publishing them, which is horrifically discounting all of this work. That people yep. are actually doing.
0: Yeah, because it's a complicated story, right? Exactly. I mean, I don't want to advocate for it, but like that instantly makes it you can't just spout that little fact. You have to like then give context and know more and mm-hmm. people are lazy.
1: Yeah. And when you dive into it, you realize that like the two of them are actually collaborating all of the time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the discoveries that get credited to him are the two of them doing the work together.
0: Right. And it is
1: obviously really hard to piece that apart because if they're actually working as a team, you can't say, well, she did these three things and he did those four things and it's very separate. So it, as much as like, I want to give her all the credit I can, I should say that like, we just don't know like what was hers and what was his Mm. because at the end of the day, they all get sort of bundled together under his and we don't have a way of teasing that out. Mm. But that being said, there are a couple of like really specific things we can say that she did do that I think are pretty badass. Okay. So at this time, sort of mid to late 18th century, one of the really big questions in chemistry is how does fire work? Like, what is the nature of the process of combustion? And So
0: pretty early days, then. Pretty <laughs> early days. Like we have, <laughs> we're like, fire. We're let's, like, let's we, we know this thing
1: happens, but like, how? Mm. And the prevailing theory, and I'm going to mess this name up, is that there's a particle called phlogiston. Great. So that name automatically tells you where we're at. Um, that was in things that could burn. And so if something could burn, it had this particle in it. Mm. And the, in the process of burning, this is the particle that becomes Michael, ash. Michael,
0: I'm not a chemist, but You're gonna does say that hold not? up?
1: You know, that's what we're going to find out. <laughs> okay. Secret answer, it really doesn't. <laughs> okay, great. Not even a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, the main advocate of this theory is a British guy. His name is Richard Kerwin. And he's writing all these articles in English about this process. And it's sort of the like, most educated Europeans think this is how this works but Antoine and Marianne they don't buy it Mm -hmm. they like you are like hmm everything everything has this weird particle in it yeah no and so they want to refute it I'm as Antoine doesn't speak English so he can't read any of the papers I'm
0: becoming very aware of how little I know about chemistry (laughs) anymore so I'm just gonna save it keep going sorry Um. I was gonna ask some dupes dumb question. you know
1: you ask them, I might not be able to answer them so yeah. just like where's your mom I know we have to call her up Skype phone her a friend.
0: yeah
1: <laughs> um so he doesn't speak English uh-huh. can't read any of Kerwin's papers but wants to refute Oh Antoine them. can't Antoine can't mm-hmm. so Marianne's like cool I guess I'm gonna learn how to read English <gasps> so I can translate these papers for you and so she does because she,
0: she's got time to learn English and he doesn't
1: because she's like well we need to figure this out and I'm gonna do this so she figures out she learns how to read English translates a whole bunch of Kerwin's writings and then that allows them to refute this theory about phlogiston and of course the research they're doing they figure out oh oxygen oxygen is the key element to combustion yeah. which of course we are like yeah of course you need like air for things to burn mm. radical notion at the time uh, yeah. but not possible if she hadn't done this work teaching herself another the language boring. and translating all of this writing so that they could refute it so like pretty important yeah pretty crucial to that process huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing she does is she teaches herself how to draw because after they've done all this research they want to publish it but of course it's the age before photography Mm. so if you want to include any drawings of reactions if you want to include like hey this is the instrument we built to take all of these measurements which at this point is really crucial if you want to replicate someone's experiment like people aren't just mass producing scales and beakers and bunsen burners and Mm. things like you kind of have to make those one off so it's super important for this artwork to be accurate and for it to be in the publication she's like well I'm going to teach myself how to draw now. And so, partners well, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this famous painter, Jacques Louis David. Mm-hmm. Totally messed that up. It's okay, it's um, French. It's
0: fine.
1: To learn how to illustrate the instruments for publication. Mm. Um, so, teaches herself how to draw. And then, in their sort of seminal textbook, all the illustrations in it are her work. So, yes. um,
0: her name is in it?
1: Her name Kind of Kind of. And in in the end she You can see like
0: her physical work. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like there's a very direct contribution that like this is hers, not his. Um, Yeah,
0: Antoine.
1: Yeah. And the cool side note on this is in looking at the paint there's a famous painting of the couple that is hanging in the Met and it's them in their lab painted Um, by david who was teaching her how to paint Mm. and she is literally overshadowing him in the painting (laughs) like his face is in shadow and she is like the central figure of the painting which i just think is this sort of great metaphor the guy who taught her how to draw nice so like has a relationship with the couple presumably knows something about their relationship and he chooses to draw her as the dominant figure in this portrait so every article you read about the two of them online it is this painting where she is just like front and center and he's sort of like literally in the shadows which just felt like a really appropriate way of like framing that particular relationship
0: yeah
1: um but speaking to your point of like is her name on anything um so after he dies she is the one who edits and publishes all of his memoirs for publication so Mm. assembles all of his notes organizes them and then goes about publishing them and sort of promoting his ideas. So one of the reasons that we think of Antoine Lavoisier as the father of modern chemistry, is because Marianne did all of this work to publish all of this uh, stuff, get it out there, and she, make a uh, point of being like no. Eliza he Hamilton. Did it. Him, you know he, Yes. And yeah. where's her musical? That's all I got Not yet, say.
0: but there's gonna be some little chem theater nerd. I'm surprised <laughs> it's not you, but uh it's gonna put it all together.
1: I missed that boat, I think. Yeah. Um Yeah, and then on top of all that, there's this, like, collaboration that we can't quite piece out. But some of the discoveries that Antoine is credited with, she was obviously participating in. Um, And these are, like, pretty important things in chemistry. Um, He's the one, they're the ones... Who figure out that mass is conserved in a chemical reaction? Mm. So if you remember from high school chemistry, having to like I really don't. even out your equations, where like the mass on one side equals the mass on the other, and that's oh, how you yeah, figure the math out the
0: part of it. Yeah, 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 what
1: gets produced in the reaction? Mm. They're the ones who figured that out, and this is kind of crucial because it lets you f- think, oh, well, we burned this thing, right? And some of its mass went away. Where did that mass go? And It's like, oh, because maybe that was a gas you can't or something else. You can't destroy mass, isn't that a
0: thing? Yeah,
1: it can only be converted.
0: Converted. Yeah. Um, See, I remember.
1: There I don't know. remember my chemistry teacher's <laughs> name,
0: but I remember something.
1: I think mine was Dr. Peterson. I really
0: don't remember. She don't doesn't... go down this road. With me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we we won't do bad. that. We won't. She was great. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. I'm really sorry. Just things start going. You know, the older you get, more stuff just vacates.
1: Totally. Yeah. Um, they also developed the naming system for chemical compounds that we use nowadays. So this was stuff I had to go look up. but Not the,
0: per- what? what? So
1: not the periodic table, but when you have, compounds like like, no, like sulfuric acid for example uh-huh. the fact or, that it says ick it means that right. it's an oxygen saturated acid right um or like acetate is a compound formed from salts and the eight at the 18. end of it lets you know that and so all of those sort of suffixes that yeah. just yeah. kind of float around in our world that mean something that i have yeah. to google about what they mean because i couldn't remember from my high school Your chemistry so class. Proud. I know. I'm so sorry, mom. If you're <laughs> listening to this, I deeply apologize. I do pay attention when you talk to me, I promise. Yeah. Um, so all of that, they were the ones who sort of came up with that system, which chemists are still using to this day. Well, so like yeah. important. Um, and they also figured out how respiration works. This idea that we use oxygen and produce water and CO2 when we breathe. Oh, wow. Which is like really important. They figured important. that out? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So That's, this,
0: That seems like a later time period think, thing. Right.
1: But like that... That, That's and co- quite an, that and Fire figured out about the same pretty time. Good,
0: pretty good building blocks. Yeah. But I get why they're the, where he's the father of chemistry. Exactly.
1: And why maybe she should be the mother of chemistry. Yeah,
0: she sounds like it.
1: Yeah. Um, so they do all this work. But like you mentioned, like, the French Revolution is sort of coming up on the horizon. Oh yeah. So all of this work happens pre-French Revolution. Yeah, it would have so to, wouldn't it? So 80s, early 90s. Yeah.
0: Because um, it's what, 98? What 97? Oof. Late nineties, I think.
1: Late nineties, yeah, eighty nine, I think.
0: Making that up.
1: I should know that. Is it eighty nine? I think it's eighty nine. I'm pretty sure it's eighty nine, but we can get fact checked on that. If you're listening, tweet at us. (laughs) Let us know. Um, It's
0: sometime pre eighteen
1: hundred. Yeah. So then this depressing thing happens, where since both her father and her husband work for the same tax company, because at the point in before the revolution, taxes were farmed out to these different companies and so and her
0: dad was a tax her dad collector. was a tax
1: collector her husband technically is a tax collector that's how he got his money to do his scientific experiments oh. and so they both get executed on the <gasps> same day no what in why? 1794
0: wait what yeah why because the, they're tax collectors yeah
1: because it's the reign of terror oh my god and one of the groups they're going after is tax collectors and so on the same day her husband and her dad get killed and she gets thrown in jail and they confiscate all of their money. Okay, spoiler. I thought property. you said she
0: got executed with her husband. No, no, no. You meant her dad and her husband. Her dad husband. and her husband. She's still alive. I kind of feel better. <laughs> Does that Bean? Sorry. <laughs> I'm really sad that her dad and her husband died. makes the rest of the husband story husband I got you. Okay, yeah, because three... yeah, so she has to put the memoirs to together. together. Sorry, exactly. I was just with you. I was really scared for her.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not a great day for her, too. Like, that no, pretty bad. And pretty she bad. gets arrested and thrown in prison. How
0: old is she at this
1: point? At this point, she would have been in her 40s. So, like,
0: still like... Great time to start over as a woman. You know, just like the best. I hear it's just great. Luckily, the world but, is really nice to you after 40. Yeah, That's what I, I mean, hear. Is that not true? Actually,
1: she actually, I mean, that's probably a good thing. So she marries again. Oh, so girl, what's that? She, someone appropriate? Someone appropriate. Age appropriate. Doesn't work out quite as well. But in 1805, after this sort of like, torrid might not be the right word for it, but like tempestuous, fiery sort of courtship with a British scientist named Benjamin Thompson Whoa. where they like go on these long trips and have excursions together and have to like petition for permission to him for him to live in Paris like cuz he's British yeah. and yeah. not like not allowed to be in France so they're separated by national boundaries um know, finally get married they do. um and it's a, this like sort of stormy passionate marriage um he's, Wait,
0: they're stormy and passionate or like they're the forces upon them they it to are be friction- a stormy and oh passionate. they are also stormy and
1: yeah oh, and there's great. this sort of mismatch go, like, girl. He's the sort of like reclusive scientist who like to work alone. Oh, a tortured office. artist
0: how delightful. yeah,
1: and she's sociable and is so used to being a Competent. collaborator with her husband and one can
0: read two languages including his
1: uh three languages Whatever. also speaks Latin because she's a badass okay um
0: what about British boy?
1: I doesn't say, but I'm imagining that like she is more than his equal and is pretty Ask the painter
0: where'd the painter go? go go hang out <laughs> with him he saw your true
1: true (laughs) self i think they probably would have been a better match yeah because the the marriage ends up falling apart and i think in no small part because she's looking to be a partner with someone in their work Mm -hmm. and he's not looking for that and so she wants to be sort of this equal and he's like i'm not feeling that i don't know what you're i don't know what you're looking for i don't know is Um, that a french thing and so they end up getting divorced a couple years later um But she lives another 30 years, sort of this like centerpiece of Paris society, hosting parties, actively promoting her husband's work. She publishes his memoirs, gets everything collected, and does a lot of the work, like I said, to sort of make him this big deal. Yeah, she
0: stays busy. Yeah,
1: so she's ended up like, ends up doing a lot of the work to make her husband, who could have otherwise been this sort of like less important figure, this big famous guy. Um, and then dies peacefully in her sleep in 1836.
0: Oh, that's the way. Yeah. You go. Did they have, did she have children ever? I don't think so. Yeah. So it's, it's really Solid.
1: just Rare. them. Yeah. Although yeah, I honestly. lives so long. <laughs> it's
0: really <laughs> awful I... for women. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So, so I... say her
0: last name one more time.
1: Lavoisier.
0: Marie-Anne Lavassier. Yes. Oh, i like her yeah
1: i did too she seems cool she was really cool i was really glad to have gotten to to know about her because it is this such this trope in science history of yeah. like the woman is just the helper and she's just sort yeah, of like she gotta there by hire his an side, assistant supporting right? him someone make yeah. my coffee exactly Remember me. and it's just so nice to see that trope kind every Don has apart. his
0: peggy but, but as we all know by the end of that series peggy is the lead
1: Exactly. That that, he is the lead. Time and time again, that seems to be how this works, is these husband and wife relationships. The wife is the one doing a lot of the important work or a lot of the sort of invisible work that makes the husband's work possible or as famous as it's going to be. And she's sort of this, like, prime example of someone we should sort of be thinking of as this momentous figure in the field. And like, over there in a corner. Mm -hmm. Like, people know about her, but definitely not this, like, same I'm just centrality. so glad
0: she didn't get guillotined. I'm really sorry about her right. husband,
1: but like I was just like worried <laughs> like there for a minute when bullet. you said the year. I was like,
0: oh, okay, where are we going? Great, I'm glad I know her.
1: Yeah, I was too. Good
0: job, Michael. Thank you, Katie. Yay. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Missing History.
1: If you have suggestions for women you think we should profile, Email us at missinghistorypodcast at gmail.com.
0: You can get in touch with us at Miss History Pod on Twitter or Missing History on Instagram. We're also on Facebook at Missing History.
1: If you liked the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Today's episode was produced by Jen and co-executive produced by Frankie. Thank you for listening to Missing History.